Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now. want to welcome all of our viewers who are joining me tonight on this Saturday evening or Sunday morning depending where you are in the world. If you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, as always, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. And also, please visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is called Walking Dead Now. And please go ahead and subscribe if you have not yet done so. If you're there right now, we would always appreciate if you hit the thumbs up on this broadcast. So how is everyone doing tonight? Want to welcome some people here. Uh, CC Wheezy is with us. AJ, the good, Rod- the good Rodriguez. Hello, AJ. Hope you're doing well, AJ. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, let's see. Singer Chick is also with us. Uh, ZZO is joining us on YouTube. Lindsay Sparks, our regular, is joining us as well. Alyssa is also on Facebook. Let's see what we have going on on the Instagram side. Uh, Paola is also with us. Rivero, welcome to you guys. 931 is with us and it's waving at us. Uh, Ezekiel is with us. Hello to all you guys on Instagram. Ran is giving us a thumbs up. Like I said, I hope everyone is... uh, Enjoying their uh, day today. I hope everyone had a good day. Uh, And I hope you guys got to watch our interview last night with Vincent Ward, who played Oscar on season three of The Walking Dead. It was a great conversation, great interview. I got so lost in the conversation that for a moment there, I totally blanked out that we were broadcasting to a live audience. That's how captivating it was. If you did miss the interview, you can always go to our YouTube channel and rewatch it, as well as all of our other uh, special guest interviews, as well as any other Dead Talk Live episode. And just a reminder to you guys that this upcoming Wednesday, October 21st, uh, Eleanor Matsura, who plays Yumiko, on The Walking Dead is going to be our special guest right here on Dead Talk Live. We are really super excited to have Eleanor join us and get to discuss the finale of The Walking Dead and her time on the show through Season 9, Episode 5 to the present day, you know? And uh, it's going to be great. We're really looking forward to that. That's going to be this coming Wednesday, October 21st. We are starting the show five hours earlier than normal uh, to accommodate Eleanor, who is in the United Kingdom. So it is going to be 4.30 p.m. Eastern United States time. So depending where you are in the world... Uh, just look it up on Google. We are on the East Coast, uh, Eastern Time. Uh, the show is going to start at 4.30 p.m. And you can calculate the time difference if you want to watch the show live, uh, depending on where you are in the world. So that's going to be this coming Wednesday. We're very excited. Lindsay says, hey, Viz, thanks for the shout out and hope you're doing well. Love your T-shirt. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you so much. 
Lindsay also goes on to say that was a great interview last night. I had a lot of fun talking with Vincent. Uh, Singer Chick says, whoop, cannot wait for the interview with Eleanor. Yep, neither can I. It's going to be a great one. It's going to be a great one. Stenningal is with us on Instagram. I, I am is with us on Instagram. Ismail is joining us as well. Love the floating love hearts, guys, on Instagram. Keep those coming. Uh, so anyway, we got another video submission today from Hard Productions. Uh, as you know, he's one of our regular digital contributors and is a part of the Dead Talk Live team. This is a kick-ass video. It's called The World is Dead. I posted it a couple of hours ago on our social media. So, you know what? Without further delay, let's go ahead and check it out. Here it is. The World is Dead by Hard Productions. Everything is about people. Everything in this life that's worth a damn. It couldn't be just me. It shouldn't be just you. How long? You know what? It doesn't matter. We've searched every building on campus and the surrounding areas. We can't find her. Good. The world is dead. The world will not die until you die. Do not wait for your death to enjoy yourself playing with Wake up. Looking for my family. Oh, is that what you're doing? Looking for your family? Mm -hmm. See, that's not entirely true. One could argue it's my family you're looking for, right? I didn't want it, you know that. But you took it, right? Boy, that shit you did in that field. Oh. Yeah, you took a page out of my book, Rick. You know, I'm glad you did it. You stepped up, brother. Because I thought you needed it. To stay who you are right now. But you know it. <laughs> no one's gone until they're gone. The others did before us.
family. You're not gonna find them because they're not lost. And you are not lost. And it never ends. Little things do end, but it's never the end of everything because we don't die. So there you guys have it. Uh, the World is Dead by Hard Productions, who joined us on YouTube while the video was going on. Excellent job, Ethan. That was amazing work. Uh, my honor to show that to everyone and display it on our social media. Very sad. And I loved how it was a compilation of all three shows. Uh, the Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead, and uh, World Beyond. Uh, so, absolutely beautiful. Great video. Junior James says, great video. AJ says, never let your guard down in the Walking Dead show. Anyone could get bitten very easily. That is so true. In the Walking Dead world, uh, everything could change in a split second. In a split second, you could be dead, you know, in the Walking Dead universe. So, great video. Uh, HP, thank you for giving it and submitting it to us. Amazing work, as always. And speaking of the world beyond, I saw episode three today. Uh, and it's a great episode. It's just building and building and building. And if you guys remember when we had Aaliyah Royale, who plays Iris Bennett on our show... She said her favorite episode is episode number four, which is next week's episode. Uh, I got to see the sneak peek after this third one, and it looks really good. So I'm looking forward to next week's episode as well and see how this is going to play out. So, you know, if you guys haven't seen it yet, don't forget to watch it this Sunday night, as well as episode two of Fear the Walking Dead. They are both going to air this coming Sunday. And as anybody new who's joining us here, uh, Dead Talk Live does not air. We are not going to be airing a broadcast on Sundays as long as there is a Walking Dead show on TV. So after tonight's episode, we'll be back with you again Monday night to uh, resume our chats. So, just a little reminder, there won't be a Dead Talk Live tomorrow night. So, let's get on to some news, all right? The, the first thing on the list that we have for today is The Walking Dead World Beyond confirms that the CRM are bad guys. Now, what does this mean for Rick Grimes? This development is particularly revealing because CRM... Uh, absconded with Rick Grimes in the ninth season of AMC's flagship Dead series. After watching the first episode of World Beyond, it's clear that the group known as the Civic Republic military are not the heroes in the story. They kill everyone at the campus colony without reason and then continue to search for one of its escaped residents. This development is particularly revealing because CRM, uh, with the whole issue with Rick Grimes in the ninth season of AMC's flagship, we thought they were going to save the world together. 
but after seeing a mass extinction, it's not likely. Uh, and just to pause there for a second, you know, those of you who watch Fear of the Walking Dead, and I hope you do watch Fear of the Walking Dead, um, the CRM seems to have the same ideology as uh, Ginny, Virginia does, uh, on fear, but at a much, much smaller scale as opposed to the CRM. So you guys have to watch uh, the episode tomorrow of uh, World Beyond because they, a they actually reveal the number of people that are living in the Civic Republic. And it's a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you got to see tomorrow's episode because you actually get a number to uh, how many people live under the Civic Republic's rule. Now, continuing on, more importantly, finding out that the CRM is a group of antagonists means that Rick Grimes will probably come to the rescue in the end. He's encountered factions like them before, successfully reining them in, and Kublik's military unit is no different. I don't know if I quite agree with that last paragraph. I think they are way different than anything Rick Grimes has ever encountered uh, before on The Walking Dead. And this might be the challenge that he may not be able to overcome. You know, you compare the CRM to what Rick has had to face in the past, whether it's the Saviors, Negan, Governor, Woodbury, uh, Terminus. Yeah, the CRM is on, on a completely different level from all those other antagonists. While the notion of Rick taking on this paramilitary operation implies there's a showdown coming, we still don't know how he'll factor into the plot. Perhaps he's biding his time as one of her soldiers, or maybe he's come around to their way of thinking. Though knowing Rick, there's probably a resistance force led by him waiting for the right opportunity to strike. Now, this is all conjecture, guys. They have, they have no knowledge. They are guessing, playing out different scenarios on what Rick might be doing. Uh, goes on to say he's no fool when it comes to all-out warfare or guerrilla warfare for that matter and he'll adequately prepare his team before making any drastic moves. That includes waging a coup d'etat on the CRM former heads. On the other hand, it's possible Rick has already been oust ousted as a rebel and is being held captive. For me, that just seems a little more likely. The, the notion of World Beyond's teenage protagonist finding the Elder Grimes locked up in a science lab sounds preposterous, but that would explain his absence. Keep in mind that his failure to show up in the first two episodes could be because he's already dead. Wow, they are just going all over the place with this. Uh... If they even in the slightest believed there was a chance you would see Rick Grimes in the world beyond, they are seriously deluding themselves. 
So it goes on to say, where could Rick Grimes be? Assuming there's any truth to that theory, Rick being held prisoner could be the ideal uh, situation needed to lead into AMC's Walking Dead movies. Their focus is another aspect of their focus is another aspect up for debate. But assuming World Beyond provides some clues on an, on his whereabouts, it could very be a precursor to the movies, or at the very least, the first one. And that's what I've been saying. The World Beyond is a precursor. It's the lead up to the uh, Rick Grimes movies. And if you doubt that, think of it this way. World Beyond was supposed to premiere back in April. And the show was all done. Filmed, edited, ready to be aired. There was nothing holding AMC back. But the Rick Grimes movies obviously got delayed. And they're still being worked on as far as scripts goes. So if it is a lead-in into the Rick Grimes movies... You don't want to release World Beyond too soon or else it's going to get forgotten about by the time the Rick Grimes movies hit the theaters or home or wherever. So that's, I mean, because it was done. It was ready to go back in April. Uh, filmed, edited, ready to be shown on TV. Uh so that's the only possible explanation as to why I have that they delayed it. We didn't have The Walking Dead, any Walking Dead show for six months. And World Beyond could have filled in that gap a little bit. But they decided to delay it. And the only reason that I could see that for them to delay the premiere of World Beyond is because it's exactly the precursor to the Rick Grimes movies, and having it air too soon is going to screw with the whole timeline of when the Rick Grimes movies are supposed to be released. And then you also have to factor in, it's a limited two-season show. It's only going to be on the air for two seasons. So that's just another hint right there that it's a precursor to the movies. Uh, let's see on YouTube. We see, I want to see a CRM and Commonwealth war. You're probably not going to, uh, stone walkers on YouTube writes. I'd totally be a walking dead character with a sniper. I've been doing sharpshooting. All right. Paula Stacy says it's pretty well done. They are telling us the individual stories every episode. I love it. I absolutely agree with you. Paula, Hart Production, writes, Yep, a war between the CRM and the Commonwealth would be awesome. Maybe that could be a big thing in the final season. I don't see that happening. The CRM and the Commonwealth, I just do not see them crossing paths at any movie, show, or whatnot. I really don't. Uh, I could be wrong. This is just my opinion, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, let's see, looking what's going on, uh, on Instagram, Azel's giving us a smiley love face, Stuart Truthy is waving at us, welcome Stuart, thank you for being with us, uh, a lot of new people have joined us on Instagram, welcome to all you guys, 
So Hama is also waving at us on Instagram. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, the Walking Dead star teases Maggie and Negan's next meeting in the new season 10 episodes, meaning the six extra episodes we're going to get in early 2021. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is interested to learn which of Negan's new allies go to bat for uh, for the villain turned anti-hero now that Lauren Cohen's Maggie Ree is back on The Walking Dead. It was Maggie's intense confrontation with Negan years earlier that spurred her to leave Hilltop with son Herschel in tow journeying someplace far with Georgie, played by Jane Atkinson, and a new group of survivors. Daryl and the widowed Maggie conspired to avenge Glenn and execute Negan 18 months after he was taken prisoner by Rick, but she left him to rot, instead saying, I came to kill Negan, and you're already worse than dead. It'll be interesting to see if anybody uh, kind of tells Maggie what Negan's been up to or if they just put it on Negan to kind of start from scratch uh, with Maggie all over again, Morgan said during the virtual New York Comic Con. I think that's a, that's an Angela Kang and Scott Gimple thing. In the uh, more than seven years that have passed since Maggie and Negan's last meeting, he risked his life rescuing Judith during a blizzard and saved Aaron amid a war with the Whisperers. Negan would avenge Jesus and Enid, two of Maggie's closest friends, when he infiltrated the Whisperers and assassinated Alpha, played by Samantha Morton. Negan carried out that mission under orders from Carol. I would not necessarily call them orders. Uh, it was more of a request. Either stay here in jail and be hung for, you know, accidentally killing uh, the girl that was attacking Lydia by throwing them up against the wall and breaking their neck. Or I can set you free and go out there, find Alpha, and bring me her head. So I wouldn't exactly call it an order. Anyway, it goes on to say she set him loose to bring her Alpha's head. Since being freed by Carol, Negan rescued Daryl and sided with the heroes in the final battle of the Whisperer War. Asked how Maggie might react to Negan good, Negan's good deeds, Kang answered... You'll see in the episodes to come. I'm very excited, added Morgan. Lauren and I have talked about it a little bit, so we're both very excited to see how that plays out. Maggie returns to The Walking Dead to find her relationships extremely complicated. Uh, according to Cohen, there was difficulty of trying to remain there and carry on with your life with Negan, even if he was in prison, he was there and alive, and it was so much to contend with, Cohen said of Maggie's decision to leave. Now, that's very interesting. I always kind of assumed that what pushed Maggie over the edge to leave Hilltop 
was Michonne's decision to cut off relations uh, from Alexandria to Hilltop to Kingdom and everywhere else. Yeah, Negan definitely played a part. She had her chance to kill him. She did. Uh, Michonne let her in. She could have killed him. Negan wanted her to kill him. She saw he was worse off. Uh, so if that was just not good enough for her, seeing him, you know, living a fate worse than death, I don't know. It never really crossed my mind that Negan was the main reason that Maggie left. And I just assumed she left after things between her and Michonne went south. That's what I always assumed. Uh, anyway, she goes on to say, but these letters from Carol ultimately have to override any reason that she may have had for leaving. And there were positive reasons too. It wasn't just about removing herself from the place where Negan was. She added it was also going to explore and going to keep finding, keep, sorry, and keep uh, going to uh, the fire and keeping hope alive for herself, going to witness the ingenuity of things that people like Georgie did and could teach her and that she could bring back to the group and then just an exploration for herself. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? You know, do you guys really think that Maggie left, you know, purely for the reason of Negan? I never really thought that. Let's see what's going on. Uh, Khaleesi writes, Negan saved Judith. He's done He's done quite a few good things. Paula uh, writes, that would be awesome. Uh Let's see, Stone Walker writes The Negan Show. Uh, Smitty on YouTube writes a backstory of how he became who he is. Uh, that would be great to see. Uh, Khaleesi also writes, I thought it was because of Michonne as well. AJ writes, all right, uh, saying goodbye. All right, AJ, thanks for stopping by. We'll see you on the next stream. Uh, Singer also agrees about why uh, Lauren Cohen, Maggie's character, uh, it had nothing to do with Negan. Lindsay Sparks on Facebook writes, I think it was a little bit of both about Maggie's decision to leave. Well, according to this, it was, uh, that's exactly what it was. Uh, and in fact, taking it a step further and saying that Negan was the primary reason as to why Maggie uh, left. Anyway, let's go on to the next thing. This is funny, okay? Uh, I have to read this to you guys. This article is titled, Things About the Zombies That Don't Make Sense. Besides the fact that the dead are reanimating, you know, stuff that just doesn't quite fit, all right? This should be funny. I didn't read, I don't read any of these articles. I read them, I save them so we can read them here together. But I'm not kidding you. This is titled, Things About Zombies That Don't Make Sense. Now, let's all just forget that we have to put reality to the side and the fact that people who are genuinely dead do not reanimate 
and especially do not reanimate with the sheer purpose of eating living people. So let's see what they have to say. Decay rate. There are a multitude of zombie types present on The Walking Dead, and not all of them are equal. Some are fresh kills that have reanimated with most of their bodies intact, while others have been dead for years and yet still keep on ticking. What makes no sense about all this is the overall decay rate for the zombie hordes. Oh God, I could see right now where this is going. They're going to get all scientific on fiction. And when you try to mix science with entertainment fiction, it's not going to work out. Anyway, they go on to say a normal human body goes through stages of decay that are fairly consistent within general conditions. Only the most sterile and particular of environments can stave off decomposition. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next thing. Seasonal effects. The Walking Dead has touched on the changes of seasons, most notably with the survivors fought through that blizzard in season nine. The resulting zombies were affected by the sudden storm, but this begs the question as to how they managed to withstand harsh elements year over year without issue. It's like, damn, I mean, don't these dead get cold? And then it goes on to say frostbite. Why don't they get frostbite? I'm not kidding you. It says frostbite. Frostbite, ice buildup, and other effects should have a detrimental impact on the walking corpses. I mean, exactly. The next thing is their mobility. The walking dead zombies are of the George Romero type, meaning they shamble along slowly and don't really have much in the way of speed. This doesn't answer the question as to how the walkers are able to move at all, much less pursue their prey relentlessly for miles on end. Theoretically, all that's needed to walk is neuronal circuits. Wow. Neuronal circuits, which are present in the spinal cord and the brain. But this doesn't explain how locomotion is possible without the aid of a fully functional circulatory system. Damn, we should all write a letter to everybody who's ever made a goddamn zombie flick. They've got it all wrong. Uh, we got We got to finish this. Their numbers. Zombies group together in herds largely out of robotic instinct and habit. Since they are all attracted by the same basic criteria distractions and warm flesh, their numbers are harder to explain, however. While it stands to reason that a packed city would have legions of undead patrolling the streets, extremely large hordes have been transversing the post-apocalyptic rural areas of the walking dead as well. Wow! 
Why are the walkers in suburbia? They should all be in the cities. You know? They're making this like a geo-socio-economic thing where there should be no dead in the suburbs. Next, they're hearing. Zombies are attracted by several things, most notably distracting sounds, which are enough to get their attention and divert them off their otherwise aimless course. Part of this might have to do with the viral outbreak targeting the existing brain tissue and reanimating it to perform basic functions. It's hard to imagine hearing being among those. However, since the virus reduces the zombie to a mindless eating machine, it's odd to think that it has the use of its ears and it could still hear. Even if it were possible, I can't believe they used the word possible in this article, but they do. They go on to say, even if it were possible, it seems improbable that a zombie would put two and two together from sounds versus images. Damn. You know? Damn. Next thing on the list, the bugs. What about the bugs? As far as The Walking Dead has revealed, the virus responsible for the zombie outbreak reanimates the brain and gives it enough juice to turn a, to turn a corpse into a bipedal nibble machine. That's interesting, a bipedal nibble machine. Just as the rate of decay makes little sense, so too does the lack of bugs responsible for breaking down the body after death. Now, we have seen our share of bugs on walkers. Episode 2 of World Beyond, or, I'm sorry, or was it Fear? I, I, I can't remember the, the, the walker that was sitting on the bench that had the you know beehive growing inside of him when he opened up his mouth and they all came flying out. I believe that was Fear. Uh, Typically, certain insects, such as maggots, will make short work of consumable materials fairly quickly. Like, goddammit, why haven't we not seen walkers literally engulfed in maggots? That's the natural order of things. So, another screw-up right there. No rigor mortis. No rigor mortis. Rigor mortis occurs shortly after death and can last an average of 72 hours, at which point the condition recedes. Such a phenomenon has yet to be witnessed on The Walking Dead. So we are waiting 10 plus years, and I bet you it's on the forefront of everyone's mind watching this show for years now. We are just waiting, glued to the screen, for rigor mortis to set in on these dead. That's what we're waiting for, all right? Uh, Brain activity doesn't prevent rigor mortis as the condition is dependent on calcium ions. Wow, they're getting really technical now. Calcium ions in the membranes of the muscle cells. 
All right. No eye decomposition. Many zombies in The Walking Dead look like they've been through around legitimately for years, but even the recent dead should be susceptible to decomposition of the eyes. Yet, the most audience see are milky, hazy eyes commonly associated with post-death condition. The question is, why does it stop there? Eyes depend largely on oxygen. And since they're a soft tissue, they are prone to drying out and decomposing rather quickly. Even the cornea may only be used for transplant purposes for up to 20 hours after death. <sighs> smell. The sense of smell. It seems as if zombies on The Walking Dead have a possession of at least their primary senses, but it's not known why. Several episodes have shown survivors dousing themselves in the blood and guts of the undead in order to mask their scent so they can walk freely among them. This would suggest that the sense of smell is the primary tool that zombies use to identify prey. Uh, this calls into question the issue of distance, however. Uh, if a zombie spots a potential target from 200 yards out, how does it know if it's human or another walker? These are great questions. I hope you guys are taking notes. I think we could all write a group letter to the uh, entire production team of The Walking Dead on all these different issues raised in this article on how to make The Walking Dead more believable, okay? Because they just poked holes through decades and decades worth, worth of zombie stories. And I don't know if I can ever go back to watching another zombie show again. You know, the next time I watch The Walking Dead, I'm going to be looking at those eyes and saying, nah. And then rigor mortis. That's my favorite, by the way. Rigor mortis. It's questions we got to ask ourselves. <laughs> I can't believe I just wasted, like, what? How long was that? Eight minutes of my life? Of your guy? I apologize, guys. I just wasted eight, ten minutes of your lives that you're never going to get back. Never. But I hope you got a good laugh out of it, at least. I really, really do hope you got a good laugh. So if you got a good laugh, it wasn't wasted. <laughs> and that is the only reason why I continued reading that article is because, you know, we all need a good laugh. CC Weezy writes, tell them to take it up with the complaints department. <laughs> Singer Chick is also laughing. Oh, man. Paula on YouTube writes, they were robbing us for 10 seasons. No shit. They were robbing us for 10 seasons. All right, final article. Five perfect fan theories about Negan Lives. Perfect theory. Clementine will go solo. The most popular theory and reaction to the revelation is that Clementine is alive. Clementine is a character in the Walking Dead games. I have no idea why they're mixing the two. 
okay. Here's a hilarious uh, fan theory. Negan is Clementine's father. Here's a perfect Negan theory. A Clementine and Judith spinoff. How can you have a spinoff off of a character that has never been on any of the TV shows in Clementine and has been confirmed by Robert Kirkman that we are not going to see a character named Clementine on any show of The Walking Dead. Clementine is a game is a character in The Walking Dead games. And Robert Kirkman has come out and said that the Clement the character of Clementine is not going to be shown on screen in any way shape or form. Anyway, guys, I'm not even going to finish this one because this one is just sad. All right, let's get to our topic for tonight. All right, we're going to be discussing in the uh, 17 minutes we have left, torture and abuse on The Walking Dead. Uh, Let's see, okay? The theme of domestic abuse has been explored through various characters, some of which are among our strongest, including Daryl and Carol. In Daryl's case, we only know about the abuse he went through by what he reveals throughout the series, and the abuse occurred prior to the apocalypse, Both Daryl and his brother Merle suffered at the hands of their father and ended with them, sorry, and ended when they were old enough to leave home. You could go as far as to describe the abuse as a form of both physical and emotional torture by the scars left behind that we see on Daryl's back. We have all seen those those scars. He will carry them for the rest of his life. Both Daryl and Merle appear to be uncomfortable to show love, even though we know they can feel this emotion. You know, we knew Merle loved Daryl. And then we all know that Daryl is more, has shown us more than enough times that he is able to love. He loves he sees all his friends that he's surviving with as family, and he loves them all, and he would die for all of them. Maybe not Negan yet, but everyone else, yeah. This, uh, this could explain the non-existence of romantic relationships in Daryl's life. Even Merle does not show any interest in being in a relationship, although he does make passes to Andrea. Did Daryl's experience in childhood strengthen his character and make him more adaptable to this new world? Now, let's talk about Carol. Carol's abuse was seen in the series, and it's obvious this is something she and her daughter, Sophia, have lived with for a very long time. It is mentioned by Carol herself to Daryl when they were searching for Beth in season four, that she used to go to the women's shelter with Sophia when it got really bad with Ed. In fact, Carol and Daryl were hiding in the shelter. We also find out that the reason why Carol wore her hair short is because uh, to make it harder for Ed to grab her by that hair and pull her back and pull her down and beat the living crap out of her. There is also an element of child abuse implied in season one when Ed invited Sophia to keep him company in the tent 
and it's the expressions on the characters' faces that paints a very dark picture. Ed was a very twisted man, and I'm sure nobody shed a tear in season one when he died. And we all remember it was Carol, after he was pretty much eaten to pieces, she's the one that put the pickaxe in his head. And uh, I think it was Shane that was going to do it. And she takes the pickaxe away and does it herself. Carol looked horrified and pulls Sophia away, which wipes that creepy smile off of Ed's face. Um, now Carol, once she, has free, once she was free of Ed's abuse, we all saw how she really developed into the badass that she is today. And... Her experience with Ed is a huge reason as to why Carol is the badass that she is today. Now, imagine what Ed would think of her new of, of the new Carol. <laughs> oh man, Ed would not be alive long enough to uh, fully see the new Carol. She would slice him in an instant. Uh, in contrast to Daryl, Carol is comfortable to show her emotions. She isn't afraid to form relationships as we have seen her with uh, Tobin and Ezekiel. Even though the whole thing with Tobin never really took off. For those of you guys who don't remember who Tobin is, he's the character that was on the show for many seasons uh, in Alexandria. And he passed away when the Saviors attacked, uh, when Simon attacked Hilltop with the uh, tainted arrows from the Walker blood. And he turned and there was a little outbreak that happened in Hilltop. Another character who we have seen go through uh, domestic abuse, Lydia. Although she goes through similar physical abuses as Daryl, she suffered from them all at the hands of her mother instead of her father. Lydia's character does go through changes when she bonds with Henry, and she does feel a connection with Daryl. Unlike Daryl and Carol, the group of survivors Lydia lived with, who were the Whisperers, did not offer her any comfort or support as she goes through the psychological and physical abuse because her mother is the uh, alpha of the herd. Now, let's go on to some torture themes. One of the earliest introductions to torture would be in season three when the governor uh, had a torture sh- a chamber set up for Michonne. Milton shows this to Andrea, and unfortunately, Andrea does end up strapped to that same chair later on because the governor couldn't get Michonne, and he saw Andrea was someone who was trying to betray him. It was never shown if Andrea was tortured while she was strapped to that chair, uh, but the governor had it all planned out anyways. He put Milton and Andrea... Andrea was strapped to the chair. He mortally wounds Milton, leaves him there to turn while Andrea is strapped to the chair. So when Milton turns, he can feast on Andrea. That's the kind of sicko, you know, the governor was. Now, moving along to what is probably the most talked about torture scene 
and that is when Daryl is locked up in the sanctuary. This is uh, season seven uh, after Negan basically, you know, he be- he beat the brains in of uh, Abraham and Glenn. He takes Daryl uh, with him to the sanctuary as sort of a you guys better behave because I've got your friend with me. Uh, if you all remember, Daryl's torture was primarily psychological. Uh, Negan wanted him alive, and he wanted him to uh, turn his way. He wanted to convert him into a savior, and he gave that task to Dwight. And there was a great scene between Negan and Dwight where Negan asks Dwight, uh, you know, are you breaking him, or is he beginning to break you? Uh, Negan wanted to break Daryl really bad psychologically. When we first see him in his cell, Daryl's clothes had already been removed and Dwight throws him his prison uniform. By leaving Daryl in that cell naked, it's a way of saying that he has nothing, stripped away of everything, including his identity. Daryl is also fed dog food sandwiches, which he eats without cringing, because at the end of the day, Daryl is a survivor. Uh, No matter what kind of situation he's in, he is going to take whatever is given to him if it means he is going to keep on surviving till he finds that perfect moment, if it ever comes, if he survives that long, to get his freedom back. And that damn song that they played over and over again, Easy Street. There are some people who like that song. Khaleesi just mentioned it, Easy Street. Oh, man, it just started to grate on my nerves. It was torturing me from watching the show. Let alone Daryl, who had to hear it day and night. Oh, my goodness, that song. (laughs) The only time that they changed the song was when Dwight threw the photo of Glenn's remains into the cell, then closed the door and waited as he listened to Daryl break down into tears. The song used in that scene was called uh, Crying by Roy Orbison. No matter what form of torture they tried on Daryl, he refused to break the way they wanted him to, in which was kneeling before Negan, and the big thing that they wanted him to say was when Negan asked him what was his name, for the torture to stop, the only thing Daryl had to say was, Negan, my name is Negan. But he wouldn't. He would not do it. And do you guys remember that scene when he turns to Dwight, and uh, he tells Dwight, Uh, just, you know, I understand why you do it. You know, I do. I really do. But I can't. I can't do it. And this is when Dwight is begging him. All right. Dwight is like literally begging Daryl to end it. Just say it. Just say you're Negan. Stop this already. And, you know, Daryl says, I can't. I can't do it. Uh, now, uh, I guess you could say as tough as he was, Daryl struggles when it comes to dealing with grief and losing people that he does care about. Uh, Let's move on to some different torture methods of interrogation. 
Before we get to the next one, I want to hit on fear. And we saw uh, uh, in the very first season, Daniel uh, and his little backstory uh, as a fighter in Central America. And he uses torture to gain information from the military group on Fear the Walking Dead that you know, has surrounded their little neighborhood and they're telling them everything is going to be all right. Don't worry about it. Daniel doesn't believe a word that he, that they're saying because he knows something is going on and he's right. They capture one of those soldiers, tie him to a chair and Daniel does some sick ass shit to that soldier. Uh, his way of torturing him to get information is he slowly cuts off pieces of his skin. I have never seen that before on any TV show or movie. Uh, but that's the torture method of interrogation that he uses. That's the method of interrogation that he was taught to get someone to talk, is to slowly cut off pieces. And I believe it was the arm. Uh, they would He would cut off pieces of skin off the arm and i believed he would also after the skin was peeled off he would like uh mix in like alcohol to make the pain that much more intense and uh you know he seemed fine with it doing it he knew it he, it had to be done he was out to protect his daughter ophelia and he was willing to do whatever he needed to do to find out what was really going on. And he gets the information that they need to realize that something's about to happen. And that something that was about to happen was that the government was about to blow up Los Angeles. And not only that, as we found out in other shows on The Walking Dead, the government blew up every major city. So anyway... In season nine, Daryl gives the impression to Lydia that he would torture her if she did not cooperate. We all know that he was bluffing. Uh, this, was, this was when she was initially captured. Uh, there was no way Daryl was going to torture a kid, but he was bluffing. And she was afraid of him. She was legitimately afraid of him. She was afraid of Hilltop. Uh, she saw a life that... And, what her mom has been telling her all along does not exist anymore. Um, now let's move on to the whisperer that Carol grabs. Okay. Carol has a different way of interrogation. Okay. She brings in a whisperer, honey jam, strawberry jam, apple jam. So her way of interrogation is through, Reminding this whisperer of the foods he used to eat before the apocalypse. It's ingenious. It really is. Uh, of course, if, if you guys remember that scene, he chowed that down. Uh, so we know it's an, it's an effective way of doing things. Um, you know, and it's brilliant. That's something nobody taught that to Carol. Carol did not go to school at any point in her life and learn any kind of interrogation techniques, as opposed to Daniel, who was in the military uh, somewhere in Central America. But her method was genius. Uh, she starts talking about 
what she plans to serve for lunch. So her way of getting information is through the whisperer's stomach. Uh, so we are out of time for tonight. Uh, you know, we just go deeper into more of what Daniel did. But you guys pretty much get the gist of the different torture, abuse, slash interrogation methods that we have seen throughout the Walking Dead franchise over the years, whether it's just brute force or kind sweetness from Carol and appealing to a man's stomach. <laughs> and they're, you know, when the cards are down and you need information, you will use whatever method you can uh, to get the information that you need, especially if your life, your friends' lives, your family's lives are at stake. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for joining me tonight. It's been a pleasure as always. Tomorrow is Walking Dead Sunday. Uh, we will not be on the air tomorrow night. We'll be back with you Monday night at 9.30. Don't forget, Wednesday we have our live interview with Yumiko, Eleanor Matsura. The show is going to start at 4.30 p.m. Eastern United States time. So if you're spread out in different parts of the world, look up the time difference. You don't want to miss that episode. It's going to be an amazing interview. Go to our website to see all of our upcoming guests, deadtalklive.com. Visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is Walking Dead Now. Stay safe. Have fun watching the shows tomorrow. I'll be back with you on Monday. And until then, guys, stay walking. <laughs>